From Michigan Radio, this is It's Just Politics. I'm Zoe Clark. $79 billion. That is the size of the budget that Governor Whitmer proposed this week. Today, I'm really excited to share my executive budget recommendation to lower costs, to grow our economy, and to build a brighter future for Michigan. The Whitmer has proposed four budgets since first taking office in 2019. This is the first with a Democratic majority in the legislature. There is more money for schools, community colleges, and universities. Also, expanding the earned income tax credit for low-income workers and a $180 tax rebate. The person behind getting $79 billion to all add up is Chris Harkins. He is the state's budget director, and he joins us now. Hello, director. Hi, Zoe. I'm glad to be here. So I guess I have to just first ask, do you have a calculator and, you know, a pad of paper and pen wherever you go? Pretty much. I do uh, I do have a lot of calculators scattered around both the office and the house. <laughs> well, let's dig into this budget. It is often said that a budget is a set of values and priorities. What does this budget say about this administration in this moment? That's a great question. This, this budget's really based on lowering costs for Michigan's families or finding new and exciting ways to grow our economy, and really investing in schools and communities and public safety. Those are all the items that the governor talked about the last several years, and I think it's exactly what we we thought we, we would be talking about now. So education, economic competitiveness, right? Those are two really big themes. But what is behind that? Well, we know that investing in our kids really is investing in our future. So what you saw from the governor last year and in partnership with the legislature last year was putting a lot of additional resources into our classrooms. And the governor's doing that same thing again. We've got a 5% proposed increase into classroom spending. It would bring us to the highest amount ever in terms of per pupil amount in classrooms. It'd be over $9,600 per student in each classroom. And I think that's It's a dedication that you've seen from this administration, and it's going to continue. Uh, Similarly, we have a lot of investments in our teachers. We know we can't be successful with, with our students if we don't have successful teachers. We're lucky we've got so many wonderful teachers now, but as we've seen in the last several years, we've had a shortage of teachers. And so the governor's been focused on getting more people into education. So we're supporting some of those initiatives that started even last year to get more of our own students into that teaching profession and to make it easier for them to do that. So those are a portion around education, but we also know we've got to continue to be competitive as we go forward. The governor's worked in the last several years to produce some some fairly high-profile investments from some large corporations, but is also focused on small business. So you see in this budget money for the continuation of some large dollars to economic development, but you also see us using some of the available federal resources to try to get back into our small businesses and grow those micro businesses and work with entrepreneurs to make sure that the state's ready as we continue our our next phase of an economic evolution. When you presented the budget, you were really clear, as was the governor, about the fact that many of these expenditures are one-time spending as opposed to continued funding. So I'm curious how that will work as we talk about expanding education funding and competitiveness, if these are just one-time expenditures, how can this continue to help the state? 
I'm really glad you raised that, Zoe, because it, it's true. We're very focused on what are one-time revenues and, and what are ongoing. And we build the budget that way. We're very cognizant of items that continue over time. And we, we like to make sure that we're not building ourselves into a cliff. And so what you see throughout the budget are using those one-time dollars for long-lasting impact, but acknowledging that they are one-time dollars. For example, the governor spoke in her state of the state about the need to expand our incredibly successful ReConnect program, which helps to make sure people who are age 25 and older can return to community college or to get their credentialing degrees and have that paid for. What the governor's suggesting now is to lower that age to 21 for now and do that in a temporary way and to use some of our available one-time resources from the federal government to expand that ReConnect program for people who are age 21 through 24 over the next few years. And in that instance, you see us using those one-time resources for something that will benefit an individual for a lifetime. And so that's where you can see some ongoing benefit, even though we're using those one-time dollars. Similarly, we're doing things like that around investments in infrastructure. We have $100 million in the Department of Health and Human Services and another $200 million over at the Department of Environment, Great Lakes, and Energy, both of which are focused on lead line replacement and water quality inside homes. Those are investments that have some ongoing components to them as well, because we know those are long-time issues. But we also know we can use some one-time money to make those sort of infrastructure improvements. And those, once you, when you replace a faucet, that's a one-time cost. And so we we know we can uh, we can do that and do that in a sustainable fashion. The budget comes as the governor and Democratic leaders had already announced proposed tax cuts, including rolling back the state's pension tax, increasing the earned income tax credit. Um, getting a lot of attention though is the one-time one hundred and eighty dollar check that the governor says she would like to go out this spring to tax filers. How did you come to that number? Well, Zoe, that's a number um, that's actually been kind of in response to some early conversations around the budget. In the actual budget document itself, that that number isn't found in the exec rec. That's actually something that comes with negotiation with the legislature. And so that's a conversation. I think it's a great example of exactly the sort of thing that happens in a budget process, right? The governor kicks off the process by sharing her priorities. And then when we send that over to the legislature, the legislature responds in kind. As you point out and did at the top of this segment, this is the first time that the governor has been able to work with a Democratic majority in the House and Senate. There's a lot of common values there. And I think what we've found is that they've landed on a number that that works for all three sides of that uh, conversation and still delivers an opportunity for individuals that is still a meaningful size um, rebate to them because we know that people around the state are struggling with the impact of inflation. And this is a way to try to get some immediate relief on top of those other items that the governor's talked about for some time, the working families tax credit, as well as the pension tax that continue to make ongoing impact in individual lives. This was a budget that was proposed in front of a Democratic-controlled legislature. I'm curious how that informed your decisions that you all made over these months and months when you were putting this budget together, knowing that for many of these items, you likely have the votes. Well, you know, Zoe, we start the budget process uh, officially in September, and so that predates any bit of of, uh, an election. Obviously, we finished it a little bit after that. You know, what I find 
as we've done this uh, now for a few years, there's a lot of common goals with the legislature, regardless of party. For example, we talked earlier about getting more money into the classroom. We've been successful in doing that, the governor and the legislature, the last several years, regardless of party. And so I think as we built a budget, we know we want to invest in our students. And so that's kind of a foundational piece. And, and it's a large chunk of what we do as we begin a budget process. So there's a lot of those sort of pieces, I think, that really informed and we're, we're going to be included regardless of who was in charge of the legislature. I do think that it, it allows us to have more conversation around some of the other initiatives that the governor has provided to the legislature previously, things like consideration for electric vehicles or for chargers. I think that there's a there's perhaps a different likelihood of success there. But as we put a budget together, you know, we really focus on the priorities of the governor. And I think, as you point out, perhaps there's there's more likelihood that those priorities are shared in the legislature now than than previously. But again, we've had tremendous success in investing with our legislative partners, even in these last several years. Chris Harkins, the state's budget director, proposed a budget of $79 million for the administration earlier this week. Director, thank you so much for your time. I'm really happy to be here, Zoe. Thanks for having me. Let's turn now to Eric Nesbitt. He is Republican Senate Minority Leader. Hello, Senator. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me on and uh, appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. So I want to just first top line, get your response to the governor's budget proposal this week. It's big with a capital B. Uh, Senate Republicans are prioritizing issues that matter most to hardworking taxpayers from across the state. And so as I look at it with a $9 billion surplus the state has, how do we use that in the best manner possible in an efficient manner to pay down long-term debt, invest in one time, whether it's infrastructure on roads, bridges, capital infrastructure needed at our schools or dams or water and wastewater to clean up our rivers and, and streams. And these are the areas that I know we came together a year ago in a bipartisan manner Republicans and Democrats uh, did a four and a half billion dollar water, wastewater, and, and dam projects that are one-time spending, and those projects usually last 60, 70, 80 years plus. And those are the kind of investments that I'm I'm looking at at being able to to make. We also need to be looking at ways that we can save money going in the future, and I look at that as lowering our long-term liability and our long-term debt. And I think we need to make some more aggressive payments into paying down some of our pension obligations for both public schools so that we can make sure that our educators have pensions when they retire. And I think there needs to be some further payments into that than what she uh, proposed. I think there's some more aggressive ways we can pay down some other long-term debt while investing in in infrastructure, along with providing meaningful uh, tax relief. What, when you are looking at this budget, can the Republican caucus get behind? I mean, I think, I think there still needs to be a lot more meat on the bones. The challenge with a lot of the proposals that the governor's done is that a lot of them are four-year phase-in. And so you don't see the entire fiscal impact on some of these for four years out. We're at flush times right now. And, for example, their pension exemption that they're pushing is a four-year phase-in. The pre-K proposal is a four-year phase-in. And so I think we need to look at what the budget is 
and how do we actually make sure that we can afford these in a long-term manner, that we don't get back to where we were back in 08, 09, and 10 with a lot of spending programs that we can't afford. And that's why I think it's so important to prioritize things such as paying down long-term debt that saves us more money in the future, and also investing in hard infrastructure that, again, lowers maintenance costs going going into the the future. You mentioned long-term relief. What does long-term relief look like for you? Yeah, I think if you look at individual levels, I think what we're looking at is lower the overall income tax. Even Democrat governor of Connecticut, Ned Lamont, proposed an income tax cut earlier this week in his his budget. We can afford it. I'd like to see a child tax credit that's involved in there. I know Senate Republicans proposed a $500 per child tax credit. And those are the two components that I think are very important. As you saw with the Citizens Research Council uh, last month, uh, which is considered a nonpartisan group here in Michigan, Mm -hmm. they said that the state could do the earned income tax credit could do a retirement exemption for retirement income and could do a rollback on the income tax and still have over a half billion dollars of ongoing revenue. And you still have nearly $8 billion of one-time money that's still on the books right now to be able to invest and, and spend on, on some infrastructure or even do you know, some things such as uh, whether it's a rebate back to taxpayers or prioritize you know, our, our roads and, and bridges. And one thing I was a little surprised by that um, the governor didn't have a major proposal on, on fixing our roads in, in the budget. That's what she campaigned on four years ago was her center stone of her campaign. I know four years ago in her first budget, she proposed that 45 cent per gallon gas tax increase, which I think reached the legislature in a big thud. However, I do think that there's a lot more that we could do, potentially putting aside a few billion dollars in an infrastructure fund to be able to do larger transformational statewide projects that are just going to get more expensive down the road if we don't tackle them today. Senator, I'm curious what you see as your role in these budget negotiations now going forward. You are leading a minority caucus in the Senate. Do you see your role as coming to the table with your own priorities, or do you see your role as negotiating things that are being set out by the Democrats and by the governor? Yeah, I think it's both ways. I mean, you have the appropriations process and committees for a reason, is that each of our members are serving on on these policy committees, uh, the appropriations committee and these subcommittees as they go through this budget. You know, there's an old saying in politics that the governor proposes and the legislature disposes, and I don't think it matters which party they, they are, is that you have 148 individuals between the House and Senate that are representing 10 million people, and it's a very diverse state. And so I, I expect a lot of those ideas to be added to the conversation. I think it'd be very troubling if we saw a budget that was just passed with 56 Democrats in the, in the House and 20 Democrats in the Senate and just the governor's signature. I think you're going to need to look at doing this budget in the middle 70%. Let's find ways to come together and negotiate and find ways to invest in, in these priorities. Uh, The leaders of both the House and Senate, both Democrats and Republicans, and the governor meet for what's called quadrant meetings. When do you expect discussions specifically around the budget to begin? Well, I, I hope that they use the committee process. Over the last four weeks, we haven't seen the committee process used much, especially in the House. And I remember 12 years ago when I was a freshman member in the State House on the Tax Policy Committee. 
we were dealing with the tax reform proposal in 2011 that went ahead and scrapped the old Michigan business tax, took us to a 6% flat corporate income tax rate, and went ahead and took a lot of deductions and credits away and, and lowered the overall income tax. That even as a freshman member of the House Tax Policy Committee, I felt like I had a say, I had a thumbprint on it. Was it perfect? No. But did it advance some of my ideals? Yes. And I also remember the chair of the House Tax Policy Committee, Judd Gilbert. and A Republican. A Republican. The EITC would be 0% right now if it wasn't for him. Governor Snyder wanted to bring down the earned income tax credit from the 20% match of the federal level to zero. Judd Gilbert, he knew people in his district that he felt that it was an effective poverty prevention tool, but we were dealing with a $2 billion deficit at the time, and he wanted to keep it at 10%. And the governor and Chairman Gilbert compromised. He said he wasn't going to have the tax bill come out unless there was something left of the EATC, and that's why it's at 6% now. And if they would have used the process that legislative Democrats are using right now with conference committees, avoiding going to committees, I think you'd have a better product than what they're, than the top-down product that they're producing right now. It may take a little longer, but I believe this is what people expect and require of us, is trying to actually work through their elected representatives instead of just everything coming from you know the executive office of the governor. And finally, when do you think this budget will get done this year? Well, I mean, uh, fiscal year starts October 1st. The law states we should have it done by July 1st. My hope is that we can have it done by summer. I mean, that's that, that would be my goal, to provide predictability for our school districts and our municipalities that start their budgets on July 1st. That's the tradition that Governor Snyder started, was having having the budgets done before July 1st. The last few years has been a little challenge between COVID and and other you know items and figuring out how to how to negotiate between the legislature and the governor. But you do have a lot of new members of the legislature. You got two new appropriations chairs. I know the governor's saying she wants it done by the end of May. If we can get it there, that's great. But let's get a good product done and a quality product done instead of just a rushed product. Republican Senator Eric Nesbitt. He is minority leader. Thanks so much for the time. Thanks, so. And that's It's Just Politics for today. Hey, if you're looking for more details on the state budget, we've broken it down for you. Head over to michiganradio.org. And if you're looking just for more politics, you can subscribe to the It's Just Politics podcast. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. I am Zoe Clark. Have a fabulous weekend. Let's talk again next Friday.